Hello and welcome to the Victory and Labang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series, Hope Has Come. Together, we'll discover what the birth of Jesus means for us, the time and the reason for His coming. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. So we're going to have our word. How many of you are ready and excited for the word this afternoon? You know, this is actually week number three, Hope Has Come. For the past uh, two Sundays, we have been talking about Galatians chapter 4. We're going to continue that again today. Uh, first week, we talked about the incarnation. Last week, Pastor Bodhi talked about redemption. And today, we have one of the finest preachers in the movement, okay? Dr. Junis Kosar is here with us after traveling the globe for the past three months. Finally, he's back. And, you know, I've been actually inviting Pastor Junis. I said, because this is your home church. And he finally said yes today. And I believe that he's got a word from the Lord. He's going to talk about adoption as sons. Why don't we all welcome right now Dr. June Escosara to preach the word this afternoon. Wow, good afternoon everyone. Good to see everybody. It's always a privilege to share the word. I'm grateful that Pastor Ariel uh, has given me this privilege to share the word with you. Uh, even though I was so busy traveling, he did invite me but just don't have the time because of too much uh, travels. But uh, thank you. And uh, while I'm here, again, uh, serving with Asia Missions, I want to take this opportunity to really thank all of you, especially those of you that partner with us in missions, because you have made Christmas very special and very significant to so many people because of your giving and your uh, praying. Many lives are touched, and many of them for the first time are celebrating Christmas and it will never be the same again from this point on until Jesus comes back. And so, again, God has done amazing things. Quick release, swift uh, update on missions. I wish I could show you tons of pictures, but I can only, uh, I can only show you a few of them. So, uh, this is my travel the last three months. At least I'm just going to give you 10 nations for the last three months. So, in Indonesia, we ordained 14 brand new pastors and graduated uh, 20 in the leadership, 215, and also dedicated one. It's a really beautiful, beautiful building in one of the cities in Surabaya in Nigeria. Pastor Steve was there, Pastor Kevin. We did West Africa Regional Conference, and for the first time ever, did a discipleship convergence. They've never had that before. So that was an injection of discipleship DNA. In Burundi, where is that? That is West Africa. I mean, sorry, East Africa. Uh, for some reason, we have a Burundian that attends the fort for five years. And uh, we finally sent him off, planted the church. And we came in for the one-year anniversary. Church is growing. We're reaching the university campuses. So I, I, uh, our presence has really brought a lot of encouragement there. So that is uh, uh, amazing. Nepal, we have our first... Uh, Pastors and staff retreat outside Kathmandu. We have to drive so far away. And we did a leaders camp. This, they said it's the first time they've ever done this. So it was an intensive leadership training and really got everyone on fire. Uh, South Korea, we came in there not only to bless in the service, but also to uh, dedicate a facility, a brand new building in Seoul. We are now in a new location in Mongolia. We also had a 
building dedication. We ministered on a weekend, but also dedicated a, a beautiful facility. We are now inside the mall. We are, our, church, our church is over 200 members and growing. So exciting. In Laos, Pastor Steve also was there as we celebrated 10-year anniversary. And this is a communist nation, one of the few in, uh, you could count in the world. But the church is thriving and all led by local Laotian leaders. In Brunei, we came in and also ministered on a weekend. At the same time, uh, you know, spoke at the leaders' conference. Again, this is a, uh, a strongly Islamic nation. But they told me, preach the gospel. There are over 50 visitors and everybody is taking a video. So there's no telling, you know. But we preached the gospel and it was also bless one another. But it was on a Saturday, I think. So it was really very encouraging time. Myanmar, uh, we went to the new capital, city capital. We did a leaders, pastors and staff retreat along with my wife. We traveled together and plot out the church plant initiative for the next 10 years. Not only in Yangon, but in all over Myanmar and in Thailand, we had an opportunity to gather all the pastors, encourage them, and of course, uh, did also their Christmas party. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> so that's the last three months. It's been amazing what God has done. So also last Sunday, I had the greatest privilege of, uh, in less than 24 hours after arriving from Thailand, I had to fly to, to General Santos and drive 45 minutes to Coronadal, South Cotabato to launch the 102nd Victory Church outside Metro Manila. Come on, give the Lord a very big hand. Wow. Anybody here speak Ilongo at all? Anybody? Oh, okay. I, I'm surprised that it's about 30%. Uh, I mean, 90% actually are Ilongo speaking. So I almost preach in Ilongo. You know, I'm from Iloilo myself. So uh, it was an incredible moment. Of course, I pulled a lot of my... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot for my being a longo and is able to encourage. The shirts, if you notice, it says 102. It says 102 ang banwako, meaning my city is the 102nd city where victory is. So it's incredible. Very encouraging. I don't know how they did this, but the church just in the launch, over 300. Uh, this is close to 400, but just the church members alone, close to 300. And some of the most prominent people of the city are in this church. Driving from General Santos, we pass by... Polomolok and Tupi. These are Dole country, you know, where the plantation is. Just, wow, beautiful. And we're going to plant, the next church plant will be in Polomolok. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful municipality. Just so encouraging. Praise God. Are you ready for the word? All right. So we are week three of a, a Christmas series, Hope Has Come. For those of you, if you're just catching on, you might wonder why hope? Because really, the essence of Christmas comes by understanding the significance and the importance of the birth of our Lord Jesus. It's crystal clear in all throughout scripture that the coming of Jesus has brought hope to us and hope to the nations of the world. In fact, let me just walk you through a few of these scriptures because it is consistent all throughout scripture. For example, in Ephesians, people that do not have Christ, this is why we need to preach Jesus to all people because this is their description. They are without God and without hope in the world. This is why Jesus had to be preached. Matthew 12, 21, in his name, the Gentiles will hope. In the NIV, it uses the phrase, the nations will hope. Some of them don't realize it just yet. 
even though many of these nations they're different in their religion in their culture in their language and their color it doesn't matter Jesus is the only hope this is why we are taking the time and the effort to go into the nations because that's what scripture says it's the, the gentile will hope in Christ Romans 15 2 and again Isaiah says the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the gentiles in him will the gentile hope in Isaiah 42 it says in his law the islands will put their hope in God's truth that brings light that brings salvation uh, they will hope in his word first Timothy Paul introduced Jesus Christ as our hope in the book of Titus the coming of Christ his appearing is described as the blessed hope so it is very very clear from these passages of scripture that Jesus is our blessed hope and the hope of the nations and I hope you understand why we are taking so much of advancing God's kingdom because many, many packets of the world do not know Jesus yet. In fact, 42% of the world has never heard of the name of Jesus. And the exclusivity of Christ, there's no name given among men. Whereby man can be saved except by the name of Jesus. There is no uh, other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except only through Jesus. So, uh, I would like, uh, this leads us now to our text. And if I may ask everyone to please uh, stand to uh, give reverence to the word. I'm reading from the ESV. I mean that the heir, meaning the inheritor, the son or the daughter, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. You can go ahead and take your seats. The particular passage of scripture we are looking at for this particular topic today, week three, is the middle of five, uh, verse five and six. So it says, so that we might receive adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You might ask, how does this text fit in the hope of Christmas? The simple answer is by unveiling and appreciating our new identity in Christ, which is the focus of our topic this afternoon. So as a quick review, we are looking at the same text, Galatians 4, 1 to 6, each week, and each of them covering the hope that comes through Christmas. Week 1, for example, conveys the hope of the Incarnation. And as implied by this phrase, born of a woman. Right here alone, already packs the genius, the mystery, the wisdom of the gospel. Can you imagine God becoming man through Jesus Christ? Does that even, I mean, how genius is that? Because he, he has to become human because he was destined to bring redemption to humanity. 
In fact, it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 that says because the children are flesh and blood, He too, Christ, shared in their humanity so that by His death, He will destroy Him who holds the power of death and free those who all their lives are slave, enslaved by the fear of death. Christmas is more than just a little baby being born. The story of the incarnation, the genius of the virgin birth, conceived from the Holy Spirit, the born of a woman. This child is perf the perfect sacrifice. The bloodline flows from the Father. He was going to be the sinless Son of God who will confront Sin and because he had no sin, the power of we death is over sin. And because Jesus the hope is sinless, of redemption, though he paid a penalty as for implied sin, in this phrase, bought at a price. Today, to week three, we're going to look at the hope of adoption. This is quite a strange and a foreign word for us. Some people, uh, in, even in the natural, they try to either hide or they feel insecure by the fact that they are adopted. This is all going to change today. Amen? This is such a beautiful biblical concept. This is implied with the idea that we belong to the Abba Father, which I will take time to explain to us even more, just a little bit more uh, in a moment. So in this series, we're looking at Paul's letter to the Galatians, basically to appreciate the message of the gospel and the hope that it brings. Because Jesus came, He redeemed us, he adopted us and gave us a sure inheritance. This is the goodness that we celebrate this Christmas season. So, by way of review again, it might be good for us to look at verses 1 and 3. Just to really build up to our main text, verse 5b and 6. Verse 1 says, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, in the same way, verse 3, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. What this particular text is telling us, prior to the coming of Christ, which is what Christmas represents, we are all slaves. Paul used the imagery of slavery to show that before Christ died for sins, we were slaves to the elementary it says there to the elementary principles of the world the contemporary english version says the spiritual powers of this world the good news bible uses the phrase the ruling spirits of the universe but i believe that the context of the elementary principles what this really points to is formalism legalism and religion the the letter of Paul to the Galatians is a battle against legalism more than paganism. There are other scriptures where he had to attack paganism, idolatry, and other things. But in this case, he's fighting so hard on, this, on legalism and religiosity. The Judaizers, the zealots were infiltrating the church to import the law. In fact, Paul warns us in Galatians 4, take a look at this. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God. This is Galatians 4.9. Just few verses from our text. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? 
What Paul is saying, you've been freed from slavery of the law and you want to be enslaved by it again. You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Strong language. Allow me to read to you the Galatians 4.3 in the Message Bible. It says, we were just like slaves. Ordered around by simple instructions, the tutors and administrators of this world with no say in the conduct of our own lives. Why? Because this is a picture of slavery. And another verse, it says, in another version, the Living Bible says, Before Christ came, we were slaves to Jewish laws and rituals, for we thought they could save us. This Christmas, think about this. Many people are again excited for the, you know, Sambangabe and Medjo Noches and, and, you know, whatever other uh, religious activities associated with Christmas. They're doing good deeds. They're probably even going to give, you know, gifts to poor people and they're going to give gifts to relatives and to God's children and all the good things. Nothing wrong with those things. But if we put our confidence and trust in those things that we thought could save us, none of those could ever save us. In fact, the whole argument of the book of Galatians tells us if we could be saved through the righteous requirements of the law, Christ do not need to die. Christ died needlessly. If man had the capacity to save himself, God don't need to send Jesus to die. But all men failed. All men fall short of the glory of God. Which is why God had to send a Savior. Man cannot, with his best efforts, can never save himself. So Paul was pointing out that trying to reach God through any religion is futile. It is. It is a failure. We have a saying, not religion, but a relationship. How true that is. With all the good intent that religion has, religion cannot save. Only Jesus can save. Paul compared religious rituals to slavery. Why? Because they force a standard that people can never achieve. But with the proclamation of the gospel, grace in Christ replaced those worldly religious practices. Then comes chapter 4, uh, verse 4, which is amazing. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. And this one word, first word, but, of verse 4, is a game changer. This word, but, is what brings hope to humanity when God sent Jesus to redeem us. God's intervention in human history changed, literally changed the whole world. And take a look at the next word, fullness of time. This describes the providential timing in that era, and the condition of that era. At least three things in particular. Number one is the Greek language. Much like today, you can get around the world with your English. In those days, Greek was widely spoken. It was the common human language to the known world. The Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, which is why it traveled so fast in those days. You see, in the fullness of time, God's perfect timing. Another one is the Roman peace, or in Latin, Pax Romana. Rome was the most powerful force, empire. It enforced Pax Romana 
to warring barbaric tribes. They brought order. They brought stability, which again enhanced the spread of the gospel. And the other one is the Roman road. 80,000 kilometers of roads, which what? Sped up land travel quicker, faster, safer. So the gospel could travel fast. You know, the distance of the whole Philippines from tip to tip, Aparito Holo, is only 2,200 kilometers. So if you're earning miles, that's not a lot. <laughs> from, from the Philippines to America is only 13,200 kilometers. Imagine 80,000 kilometers. Rome was a servant of God who paved the way for the coming, the ultimate coming of the Son of Man. Amen? Son of God. It was powerful. And here we see, again reading the rest, again uh, chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as son. Two obvious reasons why God sent forth His Son. One, redemption. To buy us back. To rescue us. That was the topic last week. But today, we're going to look at adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters into God's divine family. That's what we're going to be looking at. The phrase born of woman means that the mystery and the wisdom of the gospel necessitate Jesus to become human. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 2.18 that says, the, None of the rulers of this world understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I love the wisdom of God who destroyed the wisdom of this world. Through the gospel, God brought His love and His justice together. You see, God cannot just love us, blink His eye, you know, forget our sin. He is a just God. Sin must be punished. It was at the cross. It was in the life of Jesus that both the justice and the love of God met. And here we are today. Sons and daughters of the living God. Forgiven, saved, adopted into God's family. The phrase born under the law means Jesus was not going to disregard or ignore the law. But subjected himself to the law. Although he was treated unfairly, unjustly. He knew this was what he came here for. So he did not protest. He became obedient even unto death. And this redemptive act brought us, God purchased our redemption, our freedom. He forgave us our sins. And more than that, he adopted us into his family. You see adoption in the Roman period. Under the Roman law, an adopted child was guaranteed all legal rights to his father's property. Even if he was formerly a slave. He was not a second-class son. He was equal to all other sons, biological or adopted in his father's family. Think about that for a moment. If in the Roman law, this is the benefit you get being adopted, full rights of sonship, not second-class, access to your father's property, how much more when God adopts us? Amen? I don't want you to ever think you're some second-class Christians. And don't you ever think for one moment that somehow us, because we are pastors, because we have given our lives to serve God, that somehow we are closer to God more than you. Absolutely wrong. You are just as special to God. Amen? Every single one of you out there. God, you are just as special to God. You are not, we are not any more special because we are pastors. 
God treats you special just as much. We too, as adopted children of God, share with Jesus full access to God's resources. As heirs, we can claim what He has provided for us, our full identity as His children. In fact, let me read this in Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Think about a normal home. Think how a child behaves when he is with his father. You don't line up. I know that there are times out of respect we say yes sir to, to the dads. I've seen sons who call their dad sir. But oftentimes it, it, that is just more of a sign of respect in a normal regular condition. But they understand their privileges. Amen. It's absurd to see you waiting until your dad gives you the per permission. Now sit down. When you're a child, I mean, a, a servant in the house uh, behaves quite differently. They, they maybe cannot go into the master bedroom. Maybe they cannot put their feet in the couch, you know. But as a son or as a daughter, you have that kind of privilege. You can intrude at any time. Now, I know there's some uh, families that are structured very business-like and, you know, but those are more rare exceptions. Generally, we interact on a normal basis because of the relationship we have. Now, here are some lessons in adoption today. When one gets legally adopted, he or she receives a complete change in legal status as son and daughter and takes on the family name of the adoptive family with no reference or trace from the former. He gets a new birth certificate. I am speaking from experience. Let me tell you, once the, the court makes a decision about adoption, you take that decision of the court, you go to NSO with the old birth certificate and when you surrender that, right there in front of you, they'll type up a new birth certificate with you as the parents. And there's absolutely no mention or trace or notation that somehow this child is adopted. Absolutely none at all. You are given full rights of sonship or daughtership as in this particular case. An adopted child does not need to perform to be accepted. They are encouraged to live out their new identity. They are welcomed just like their very own flesh and blood. To see God as their father and not as a master or a taskmaster. No longer slaves but sons and daughters and heirs of God. This is the lesson we could learn about adoption today. And not only that, there's also a change in spiritual status. Your status with God was settled on the day you were declared righteous through faith in Christ. John 1.12, to those who receive Him, to those who believe in Him, He gave them the right to become children. Do you behave like you are a child of God? Do you act like one? I'm not talking about cockiness, but a quiet confidence. Amen? You have access to every spiritual blessing. You have been blessed by God with every spiritual blessing. Looking at that prayer request today, I am so blown away. But the, just the different conditions where people are. They have financial needs, relational problems. They're believing God for breakthroughs in their jobs. You know, just all kinds of stuff. Protection for travels and new baby and believing for this and believing for that. 
Every one of us are different, but God treats us all very, very special. Amen? You have a new life, a living relationship with God. He communes with you and sustains you on a daily basis with love, affection, and strength. Sometimes our view is very limited. When we go through difficult times, we ask questions like, Lord, where are you when I needed you? God is there. He knows exactly what he's doing. Amen? John loved Lazarus. When he found out he was sick, he could have come to him right away. But he waited two days and he died. Does anybody understand that? That doesn't make sense. The Bible also says he loved Martha and her sister Mary. So why? Why, why linger? Because God's ways are above our ways. And it is always going to be for His glory. Amen? What God is trying to do is accomplish something. So just because you do not feel something, God is there with you. You are a child of God. You are not any less a child of God than Pastor Ariel or Pastor Rain. You are a child of God, period. Amen? Christ's coming changes who we are. But I want us to be aware of these two mentalities so we don't fall into this trap because you could be a Christian today and have a slave mentality. You either, a slave, a spirit, you either have a spirit of slavery or you have a spirit of adoption. You're either slaves in bondage or adopted children. Here's how you react. You view God as slave owner if you're a slave, a slave mentality. But those that are sons and daughters views God as a loving father. Slave perform duty, sons perform acts of love. Slave dutifully obey, sons gladly obey. People are motivated. Slaves are motivated by fear of punishment while others are motivated by love of relationship. How do you respond when you wake up in the morning? Praise God. Thank you, Father. Or always ridden with guilt. Always listen. You are a child of God. How you respond, your attitude. Are you thinking about, am I really saved? Will I go to heaven when I die? You should be over those things. You are not saved by what you do. You are saved by the sacrifice, the complete sacrifice of Jesus on your life. So appreciate what God has done. The rest of life is our way of worshiping Him, of our way of saying thank you, God, for your goodness in my life. Slaves ask what is required. Son asks, what else can I do for you? Fear, fear uh, slaves are fearful. Sons and daughters are joyful. Slaves manifest in legalistic religion. Sonship manifests in loving relationship. Slaves operate on law. Sons and daughters operate on grace and love. Slaves try to earn God's favor. But sons and daughters realize, believes that it is already earned by grace through faith. Amen? Enjoy God. You know, one of the greatest moments in our traffic is not one of the most pleasant things we have, especially on weekends, as I think. Christmas draws even closer. I don't know about you, but I got stuck three hours at EDSA. I mean, this week alone. Yesterday, was it yesterday I was supposed to speak at the International? I mean, I was stuck just between the fort and here. I mean, that close. I was two hours just to get here. But you know what? Where I find myself alone. I do crazy things. Just 
worshiping God, just, just pouring my heart and just talking and communing and enjoying. I have to catch myself every now and then because, you know, when you have a dash cam, everything is recorded. All of your crazy acts, everything you say, it's all there. So, <laughs> praise God. I want us to understand this because of Paul's passion for us to understand, understand sonship. God, Paul's desire and passion for us to know who we are in Christ. He really comes strongly against religiosity and legalism and ritualism. Look at his arguments of foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? If you go back to even Galatians 1 in his introduction, look at what he said. I am astonished. That you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. NIV says, NIV says a different gospel which is no gospel at all. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul was so bent on making us think right. He doesn't want us, now that we are free, now that we are saved, doesn't want us to slip back into religiosity again. In chapter 2 verse 16, this is, I call it the gospel according to Galatians. Yet we know that a person is not justified, not saved by works of law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in the finished work of Christ that He died for you. To forgive you of your sins. And He rose from the dead that you receive the gift of eternal life. So that is where you put your faith in. In the finished work of Christ. So that we also have believed in Christ Jesus. In order to be justified by faith and not by works. Everybody say not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one. Can you say no one? No one will ever be saved or justified by the law. Galatians 2.21, this was a verse I alluded earlier. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. NIV says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Galatians 3.10, for we all rely on works of the law. Uh, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live. He stands on the fact that he trusts Jesus who died for him and was raised again. Galatians 5.1 For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify to you, to every man who accepts circumcision, that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You would, have been, you would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. What Paul is saying, you insist on your self-righteous acts that somehow you can save yourself. Sure, there's one standard for you. And what is that standard? Live perfect. 
You better do all the law requires. But there is no human being on the face of the earth that has done that. If there was, God would have used it as an excuse for all of us to do what he did. But all men sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way to salvation is through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Go back now. Contrast this with the blessings of adoption. We are bought. We are brought into God's eternal family. Not just here, but for eternity. We are treated as sons and daughters. We can call God, God our Abba, Father. We become joint heirs together with Jesus Christ. Allow us to become boldly before the throne of grace. We can run to our Abba, Father in times of trouble. We serve God without obligation or fear. Serving in our Father's kingdom become life's highest ambition. Because when God called us, he did not only reconcile us to himself. Now he calls us ourselves to be ministers of reconciliation. This Christmas, we have the greatest opportunity. Don't just pray for the food. Could you say, would you allow me to re re remind you of the Christmas message again, just even for five or ten minutes. Share it to your family so that those who have not had this hope will have Jesus Christ as their blessed hope as well. But it doesn't end there. There's more. And this is the verse 6. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God did not only stop by taking us into His family. He takes us now from adoption to intimacy. The Holy Spirit transforms not only our identity being adopted, but also our intimacy with God. You know, the... Uh, Previously, we were imprisoned by law. God gave us a result of sin. Now we're captivated by His love. The term Abba Father is a term of tender endearment. An intimate term by a beloved child in an affectionate, dependent relationship with their daddy or their papa. I know we address God at times when we would call God on His most majestic name. He is awesome. He is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. He's everlasting father. But guess what? He's also papa. He's also daddy. When you don't know what to say, you could be vulnerable and just pour your heart. This is why I love the book of Psalms. You look at Psalms and you look at David because of his endearment, of his relationship. He could pour out his heart to God, not just in the good times praising God, but sometimes when things don't make sense, when you are angry, when you are frustrated, it's okay. It doesn't intimidate God for you to pour out your heart. That is the privilege we have. Because of Daddy God. He's not just some awesome God sitting on the throne. He is your heavenly Father or He would not introduce Himself as one. When the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Lord, teach us to pray. That is the prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to conclude by just saying, we can celebrate Christmas with hope because we are now sons and daughters, heirs through Jesus Christ. Christmas is a gift. It's not a bonus. It's not something we have to work for or perform. That's why we're getting a bonus. It's a gift. Christmas is about identity. We are adopted into God's family. Sons and daughter, get daughters given full rights of sonship. Full access to God's blessings and resources. Christmas is about belonging to God's family. 
Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.vicaryalabang.church. Thank you.